page 123 in the Pew Bibles, the first reading. We can follow on the, on the screen. From the book of John, chapter 20, verses 19 to 23, Jesus appears to the disciples. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And the second reading can be found on page 137 of the Pew Bibles. From the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 36 to 43. Peter in Lydda and Joppa. Now in Joppa there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, who heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him with the request, Please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Morris. Should we pray now? Oh, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we all have ears to hear and to receive what you want to say to us through your word, and that we will have the mind to understand and to apply it and the will to respond to your Holy Spirit's prompting. Oh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you looked at the term card, you'll see that the theme for today is miracles. Miracles. Would somebody like to give me um, a definition of what a miracle is? What's, What's a miracle? How would you... Put it into words. Unexplained event. Unexplained event. Okay, 
I, I, I thought, as I was getting ready for today, I thought, oh, I wonder how I'd define it. What would I, would I say? So I, I cheated and I googled the word. And uh, this is what I read. It said, an extraordinary and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore attributed to a divine agency. And they, they followed it with an example. And wasn't this amazing? The exa- in the light of what we're doing today. And the example they gave was the miracle of rising from the grave. And I thought, wow, somebody at Google's been reading their Bible. <laughs> Great. Well, we're going to look at a little bit at, at the area of, of, of miracles. We're going to look at those two readings, the one from John and the one from Acts. And um, in, in one sense, we're all going to see a, the link between the two. And I hope to, that you'll pick up some of the miraculous in, in what is recorded there. Come on, let's get going. In the John passage, I uh, can't remember what page it was on, John um, uh, 20 verse 19 we picked it up on in that passage we find ourselves in Jerusalem and we're on the evening of Easter day and we're in the company of the disciples and whether we read this account in John or Mark or in Matthew or in Luke interesting that this evening a meeting is recorded in all four gospels And wherever we read about it, we see that the reality of the resurrection has still to register with any degree of conviction amongst the disciples. They're still not there. So much so that they are taking refuge behind locked doors. They're pretty fearful for their own skins. And then we read the words when suddenly... Jesus came. Jesus came. You know, as I was preparing, I thought, did anybody unlock the door? No. Nobody did. Wow. Just came through that locked door, didn't he? Jesus came. No problem for him. But Jesus came. Those two words which express the glorious truth of grace. The grace of God is love on the move. It's love on the move always towards us. You know, here were the disciples who'd failed their master. Peter had disowned him. A big bunch of them had deserted him at the cross. Oh, but Jesus came came to them what a reminder what a reminder to you and me that Jesus never gives up on us we let him down we fail him but he never deserts us he's there he comes comes and stays and you see this was the assurance that these disciples needed that he was the very same Jesus that they had known and worked with so closely for three years 
He was not a ghost. He was not a phantom. By his scars, he was genuinely recognizable as the one who died on that cross three days earlier. And when he comes, what are his first words? What are his first words to them? Yes? Peace. Peace. Do you know, no matter where we are, no matter what situation we're in, worldwide, you know, whether it's industrial, whether it's um, personal, whether it's domestic, um, whatever, whatever, peace is that so desired quality, gift, that we all desperately yearn for and need. We may not, we may not put it in words, that's what we need to, we want to have. And this is what Jesus brings. That's his first words. Peace. But it's not peace in, 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 in a, the, perhaps the way we think of it initially, as that absence of stress and worry. The word that he used was shalom. It's that Greek word. Um, so the, the, the Hebrew greeting, which is far, far richer in meaning than the, the, the normal word, just peace, that we think of. Shalom is life at its best, which the believer is offered as the main ingredient of God's grace. God's grace bought at Christ's expense. And, of course, the peace which Jesus bestows on his disciples on that resurrection evening has just reached its ultimate climax as a result of the cross and the accomplishment of Jesus' mission when he says, it is finished, all is achieved. And you'll note how the effect of all of this on the disciples, well, it's so predictable, isn't it? They rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Oh, come on, and I really want to hit this hard. You know, joy is the basic mood of all who are members of the community of the resurrection. I certainly struggle with Christians who've lost their joy. Well, perhaps never had it. Joy was the basic mood of the early church. Joy is the basic mood of Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. And joy should be the basic mood of today's church. Yes, of the church here in St. Juan. We are the community of the resurrection. And the joy of the Lord is for now, and it's guaranteed for the future and for eternity. What does the psalmist say? Shout for joy. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Do any of you support a football team? Yes? What do the supporters do when the team scores a goal? They just go mad, don't they? With joy. They shout for joy. They express their joy. They hug each other. They just delight. They've scored victory. And Jesus has scored the most, <laughs> the most amazing goal for our everlasting victory. And we should never cease shouting for joy. Oh, and by the way, let's tell our faces what our lips are saying. 
so they actually reflect the joy of the Lord. You know, our faces should mirror our souls and how we need to remember that the outside world not only looks at our actions, but they also read our faces. In many respects, they read our faces the way they read a book. Well, go on. Do you know that evening, and if you were listening to what Morris was reading, we read how Jesus came and he stood among them. He stood among them. And you know, that really is a delightful picture of the church, isn't it? I hope so. It's a picture of who we are. The church of Jesus Christ with the living Lord Jesus standing right here in our midst. How many times have we said, the Lord is here? Oh yes, and his spirit is with us. But you know, as we say those words, and as we acknowledge the presence of our Lord and Saviour and Shepherd with us now, let's ensure that we truly live in the knowledge of that, fully aware that he is with us. Well, on that Easter evening, Jesus didn't come merely to assure his disciples of his triumph over death and evil. He came actually to instruct them and to prepare them for all that lay ahead. And there was very much a command in what he said. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. I send you. What do those words say to you? I send you. You know, that's, it's part of that great commission, isn't it? That has echoed down through the ages for 2,000 years. And sending is a going places word. It's an out there, involved in the world word. Jesus didn't say, oh, you know, stay in your holy huddles uh, and uh, just persuade people to come and join you in your prayer meetings and your services. No, he said first and foremost, I send you, get out there. I wonder, you know, as I read that again this week, I wonder to what extent we need to perhaps look at our priorities and perhaps to align some of them in keeping with what Jesus said. I wonder. You know, are we sufficiently out there in the parish of St. Juan, in the island of Jersey, and well, wherever? Or are we simply witnessing on a Sunday in church and doing very little out there Monday to Saturday? You know, if we truly mean and know that the Lord is here and his spirit is with us, then we can step out in his strength and power and not hold back thinking, We only have our own feeble personal resources. What did Jesus say to those disciples? He said, receive the Holy Spirit. He wasn't sending them out on their own. He was saying, receive the Holy Spirit. And you know, it was an empowering offer to them. And that empowering offer, since the first Pentecost is there to all, 
to every single person who repents and is baptized in the name of Christ. And indeed, clothed with power from on high, we can go and proclaim the gospel news of our living Savior and to act in his name and with his authority. But go on, let's move on. You know, as we look at Luke's report of what happened in Acts chapter 9, we see Peter responding, don't we, to Jesus' commission, I send you. Uh, he's moved out of his comfort zone and his, is now north of Jerusalem on the Mediterranean coast. And um, just before what uh, the passage that Morris read, we read how in verse 32 of chapter 9, Peter went here and there among the, the believers. And he went to Lydda, and then he was invited to go without delay to Joppa. When he got there, he discovered that the much-loved Tabitha had been taken ill and had died. And you know, Luke then goes on to give us enough detail that we see how Peter followed the example of Jesus as he dealt with that situation. You know, the raising of Tabitha recalls how Jesus raised Jairus' daughter. <laughs> you know, because the people were weeping noisily, Peter put all of them outside. Just, just what Jesus had done those years before. And his words echoed those of Jesus. Jesus who had said, Talitha kum. Now we find uh, Peter saying, Tabitha kum. And we see how Peter performs to in and through the power of Jesus. What did he do? He knelt down and prayed. You see, he couldn't overcome disease and death by his own authority and power. And he didn't even attempt to do so. He prayed. Prayed. And he uttered those words, Tabitha kum, Tabitha get up. And she opened her eyes. And Peter presents her alive to others around. And then in verse 42, oh, this became known throughout Joppa and many believed in the Lord. Hallelujah. You see, the miracle redounded to the glory of Jesus. And the miracle was a sign which authenticated and illustrated the salvation message. The gospel news. You see, the people heard. Now the people saw. And now they believed. It's worth noting that's exactly what had happened, uh, a similar result after the raising of Lazarus. But just let me underline that the little bit he knelt down and prayed. There's no doubt that Peter stepped out in faith. But this was probably the first time that he'd been asked to bring a dead person back to life. It was a tall order, wasn't it? With lots of high expectation. He could so easily have felt totally overwhelmed and unable to deal with a seemingly impossible request. But Peter knelt down and prayed. You see, in one sense, kneeling is an act of humility. It's an act of acknowledging a situation far too tough to be handled alone. 
and in kneeling and praying, we just tap into the power of God. This is such a reminder to us when we're faced with a challenge that is too big or we don't know how to handle. You know, we sometimes sing here, perhaps I should suggest we sang it this morning, but we sometimes sing more love, more power, more of you in my life. You know, it occurred to me when I was preparing, wow, this shouldn't be an occasional prayer. This shouldn't be a prayer just for that difficult situation. It should be a daily prayer. More love. More power. More of you in my life. Because that's what we need. We need that so that we are equipped, enabled and empowered to serve the Lord in the way we live our lives, in the things that we say and do, in the very people that we are, so that we reflect the light and the love of Jesus, that we become signposts that point to Jesus, to Jesus in and through whom others may have life in his name. And you see, part of the miracle is that Jesus will use us if we're obedient to him when he says, I send you. Miracles? You've picked up any in, 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 the, in, in what we've been thinking about? Well, the disciples certainly discovered that Jesus was alive the real Jesus. Yes, Jesus had walked through those locked doors. Yes, the failed Peter was restored and changed to become the rock on which Jesus built his church. Yes, Peter had gone out in obedience and went out to serve the Lord. Yes, Peter resuscitated the lifeless Tabitha. Yes, and there's that miracle which I've just mentioned, that Jesus changes us and uses us as he chooses so that his kingdom may come increasingly here on earth as it is in heaven. Miracles, yes, they all are. Not just yesterday, but today as well. I was going to pray at at the end of this. And yesterday when I was getting ready... I thought to myself, you know, very often when I'm sitting where you are and I'm listening to the address, the sermon, whatever it is, I find myself being challenged by one or two things that have been said. Uh, Sometimes when I'm actually, well, quite often when I'm actually preparing, I'm challenged as well by some things that I, I read and see. And I was thinking back on what we've been listening to what we've read there have, have you been challenged or nudged by anything th- that you've heard I don't know have you got any areas like the disciples where you've got perhaps one or two little pockets of unbelief that you're not quite sure yet that you need to see Jesus a bit more I don't know I don't know just a thought 
as we look back on that. What about the joy of the Lord? They rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Are you full of joy? Have you ever had joy? Have you lost any of that joy? Do you want more joy? I don't know. Is that something that's hit you as you've listened? Are you longing to hear Jesus say to you personally, peace, my peace for you? Are you longing for that? Is that something you've never really felt him say to you? Do you need to be more aware that Jesus is here with you now? I don't know. Do you? Or as you've heard, I send you. Have you been saying to yourself, that doesn't apply to me? (sighs) Or perhaps it does. Oh, and if it does, I wonder where he wants to send me. Who he wants me to talk to this week. Who he wants me to reach out to. I don't know. What about where Jesus said to the disciples, receive the Holy Spirit? Oh, I wonder if I've ever received the Holy Spirit. Is that something I ought to do? Do I want to? I don't know. I just think what we'll do now is have two, three minutes when we individually have a chat with the Lord and say, yes, there are one or two things there that I'd like to talk over with you, Lord. Perhaps you'd like to ask him for something. Perhaps you'd like to thank him for something, whatever. Let's just have a time now when we pray.